Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to another installment of the beautiful podcast. How are you this fine Thursday afternoon, the 19th of January? Uh, I'm doing well, thank you. Um, I just got back from Atlanta, Georgia, where I spoke with the local Java user group there. That was a lot of fun, opening up the the, the user group for the year. Uh, we had a very good crowd, huge crowd. That was uh, uh, not expected, if I'm honest. Um, I think people are starting to come back uh, into uh, into the community. You know, that's really good. It's, you know, obviously um, there's still a pandemic raging about, but if we can safely gather, you know, I'm all for it. And this was good. Um uh, yeah, that was great. Uh, last week I was in Finland, this week Atlanta, and next week I'm going to uh, New York City for the Spring One Essentials Watch Parties. Uh, I'll be uh, emceeing parts of the keynote uh, with my buddy Deshaun, um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, the, the, I'll be joining people in New York City uh, to watch the episode live, to watch the show live. So you can sign up for that, by the way. It's online. Just Google Spring One Essentials Watch Parties, uh, and you can pick a city near you if you're if you happen to be in New York City, then come join me. I'll be there. We'll we'll have coffee and talk Java. Okay? It'll be great. Um, I'm also working on a... I've just been so busy. I'm, I'm working on an update to my book, Reactive Spring. There's a, a lot of new stuff there. Uh, and if nothing else, you know, think about the book as a great way to learn Spring Boot 3.0. Uh, but obviously, there's a ton of stuff uh, in the new world uh, around Reactive. And some stuff that's not Reactive per se, but that is super interesting, like GraalVM native images and, and so on. Um, so check that out. I'll, you know, it's on LeanPub at the moment, and I'm updating more basically every week, so check that out. I also just published a library on Maven Central called um, Hints. So it's com.joshlong, and it's Hints. And the ver- version, I think, is 004, 0.0.4. Uh, it's, it's basically GraalVM native image hints for Rome, Eclipse, Paho, uh, the Fabricate Kubernetes client, Liquibase, and, uh, and more. So if you're using those kinds of things, if you have some kind of like if you have spare hints laying around, you want to have somewhere. Uh, ideally, if they're static, then they can be put in the um, in the um, observability repository, or just send a PR to the project proper. But um, you know, if you have Spring Boot and Spring Framework Six AOT hints, you know, runtime red, you know, runtime hints registrars uh, or uh, or the like, then yeah, that's the kind of stuff I'm putting in this library, right? Dynamic stuff that has to. Uh, reflect upon the class path to produce the hints, but that isn't related to Spring per se. You know, it's just used in tandem with the Spring Boot application. Uh, speaking of stuff that's also used in tandem with the Spring Boot application, I also just published another library on Maven Central, um, com.joshlong, uh, and then esper-spring-boot-starter, uh, version 001, uh, which is uh, an integration for the Esper Complex Event Engine, uh, the Complex Event Processing Engine, um, to make it more, you know, intuitive to use in the co- context of a Spring Boot application. Esper is really cool. I, I quite liked it. Um, it's the subject of an upcoming video, obviously, so that's cool. But, uh, you know, join me there. I, I did mention I've got a new YouTube channel, right? Uh, YouTube.com forward slash at coffee software. One word, lowercase, no space, no, no dash, nothing. Just at coffee software after YouTube.com. Lots of stuff there, friends. Lots of, like, you know... Uh, I, I have big plans. Join me. These videos are going to be super fast, super like punchy. Hopefully, they're they're 
you know, learn something and have a little fun. Uh, the goal is to keep these things, you know, you know, famous as words. Obviously, I can't never say never, but my goal is to keep this under 10 minutes every video. So, like, lots and lots of like short, quick, learn something and get something done, and then be done and be done after uh, after a quick watch. You know. Um. So yeah. Uh. What else? What else? What else? What else? I've just been working. I've been working on lots of stuff. I've I just added a. I've just been up, updating my blog, which was a static site. It's it's a static site, but I've just added some dynamic behavior to it with JavaScript. <laughs> so I added um. Uh, you know, I added uh, blog comments using Talkyard, uh, which is a, it's open source, you can host it yourself if you like, but there's also a SaaS and I'm, I'm using that. And basically it's just a widget you add to your pages, and in this case I added it to my blog pages. Uh, and it gives you, uh, you know, um, comments. You know, like a like Stack Overflow or something like that. And there's a moderation system and uh, and so much more but um yeah it's really really good right it really really impressive uh, piece of technology very easy but obviously it uses cookies so now i have to add uh, so i added a gdpr uh you know um, uh, cookie management and compliance and opt-in and all that stuff with um term feed which is also uh it looks it was super easy you just add that script to your page and then you change all the other scripts that might create cookies uh you load them with script tags that have an attribute on them, and the attribute indicates the level of compliance required to run the script, and then you change the type from type uh, text JavaScript to text plain, and then term feed will evaluate the cookie that it has created to determine your compliance, um, uh, you know, your willingness to opt in, and it'll then load or not load other scripts that have attributes indicating what level of compliance are required to run them. So, so if a script requires you know, just just analytics, right? For example, it's anonymized cookies, and and you and you said yes, I'm okay with that. Then it'll load that script. But if you if you're another one requires personalized data, then that's a further level of compliance. Until it, and you didn't opt into that, then it won't load those scripts. So my site may be in various states of working and not working, depending on what you choose. But at least it's at least it's easy to uh, understand what's happening, and it works, right? Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? Um, Hmm, lots of good stuff. I, I've just been so busy. I, a few months ago, I co-nominated my buddy um, Hans Doctor, right? Hans is uh, the creator of Gradle, you know, legend, a uh, deity in the uh, ecosystem, right? Um, and uh, he wasn't he wasn't a Java champion, which seems like a crime or at least a grievous oversight, you know? Really, really silly that he's not a Java champion already. So uh, we submitted him to become a Java champion, and I'm so happy to report as of this recording, uh, as was just announced just of an hour or two ago, he has been confirmed and announced as a Java champion. It's a crime, like I say, that he wasn't thus far already a Java champion. He's way more than deserving. He created Gradle for Pete's sake, right? Uh, so, uh, and me, you know, I've, I've been really doing my best to learn the ins and outs of Gradle these, these days. I, 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 I know you, uh, you must tire of hearing about it, but there's a lot of potential there, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, so I've just been, you know, Spring Boot, uh, the the Spring Initializer has defaulted to Gradle. Um, you can choose Maven now, and, and, and you can also choose Gradle uh, and uh, and Kotlin. But, um, but yeah, it defaults to Gradle. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's there's a lot of, like, reason to learn it. And so I've been spending the last several months, I've been passively learning as much as I can. I took, a, a, I took Tom Gregory's course introducing it, for example. You know, I just did a lot of stuff to... 
to uh, soak it up. And I've been, I, in fact, all those new videos in that channel are all using uh, Gradle, right, for all my demos. So uh, that's my commitment to learning the new things in the new year. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Hans is now a Java champion. And, you know, Hans uh, is amazing because the company doesn't just create Gradle, the open source build tool, which is quite nice, but they also create uh, the Gradle Enterprise Service, which is like a AI software as a service offering that makes your build just that much smarter. And it's an amazing boon for for any kind of serious uh, uh, organization uh, level sort of build um, uh, engineering, right? Just an amazing piece of kit so uh, good stuff and uh, you know Hans he does he builds amazing things and he doesn't hire dummies you know we had we had Justin Riak on the show just a little while ago um, to talk about developer productivity engineering which is a, a movement uh, that uh, the that Hans and, and Gradle at large have been uh, sort of uh, pioneering uh, and he talked he talked about Gradle and Gradle Enterprise and today my friends today I'm so so excited uh, to welcome to Dr. Amanda Martin a developer advocate for Gradle uh, she's one of my new heroes. Um, I, yeah, I can't. I, I feel in the same way that I feel like we've been remiss in not making Hans a Java champion. I feel like uh, I have been remiss, and I just didn't even know about her before. But now I'm just like, uh, just such an inspiring human being, uh, and and brilliant, obviously. And uh, uh, you'll you'll see. Just listen to the episode. I'm I. You can kind of you can almost hear me like falling over in disbelief at just how much this human being has done. Uh, and, and uh, you know, awe. So enjoy the episode. I'm, I'm sure you'll learn a ton. I, or at least I did. I know I did. Uh, so enjoy. And as always, my friends, see you next week from New York City. I love it when that works. It almost never does. I mean, I've done hundreds of these episodes and I'm still just infinitely surprised that that thing works. I'm always... I'm always amazed that it's like three times the volume for the the notice than the actual participants. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's true. But you were just telling me about something that would, doesn't that help with that, or does it only do for ambient noise? This crisp thing. It, yeah, so I use crisp, and it is an ambient noise reducer, and it's just it's marvelous because you know the dog is barking or something, and people that you're in a meeting with just have no idea. Like, yeah, I was in a meeting with someone and they're like, I'm so sorry, my dog is freaking out. I'm going to have to take him outside. And nobody knew he even had a dog because it was quiet. <laughs> wow, that is amazing. That uh, I have those newfangled AirPods Pro and they just change. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. But then I've seen Crisp and Crisp is like cut above, you know, way better. Uh, uh i i've i've seen that in action i did so you said you had an enterprise thing yes i think so yeah gradle is remote first and so everyone is all over the world and we have meetings you know all the time um it's probably like 20 hours a week that i'm meeting with people just you know one-on-ones and hey i have this idea and things like that and so we just there's a lot of collaboration so they buy it for everyone so that we can you know not get distracted when we're together oh that's so cool and because people are going to have a home life and, and it's not wrong, you know, it's just loud. So I have the same thing. I have a, a dog that is, um, he tests all of our patients. He's, he's cute on the outside, but he's kind of a, kind of a bully on the inside, you know? Um, well, know. a lot of people have home lives. Like one of my coworkers, they have a, 
a disabled kid that is in the room with them all the time. Uh-huh. And it's like, they just mentioned that. And I'm like, I had no idea that they're always present with you. That's, that's oh, pretty man. cool that like that it's a so shared cool. space. <laughs> yeah. I bet that was, did that, I, I think I heard about it during the pandemic because we were all looking for ways to like isolate without actually being, because when you're at home, you know, it's really hard. Like I, I live in San Francisco. My first unit during the pandemic was 850 square feet, right? Like when we started the pandemic and then I bought another unit with, I don't know, just shy of uh, 1400 square feet, which is a far site bigger than 850 square feet, right? But still for, for three people, it's a, it's a sardine can, right? Like, it, and uh, so during the pandemic, I just remember this, 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 this rush to find things that allowed me to do what I had to do in complete cones of silence while still being in a multi-tenant space, you know? Uh, oh, it's, it's tough. I mean, we had a, I had some extra roommates for the last, you know, six or seven months. Um, they finally just moved out. I'm very happy for them. But, you know, my office was in the dining room and they would come in and they would speak Ukrainian as I was like having a cool. meeting and, and people had no idea that they were in there having their own conversation on the dining room table, just like 10 feet away, you know? <laughs> Do you speak any Ukrainian? Not at all. Just da. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's also, a, I know it's Russian and, and also Ukrainian, uh, and maybe Bulgarian, I don't know, but, I, but I also know it's, um, big, it means the word big in Mandarin. So, yeah. so depending on if you could talk, imagine having the same, imagine having conversation with a, a Ukrainian and a Taiwanese person or something like that, you know, and then being able to answer both conversations with the same word big <laughs> and yes. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, we've established that uh, you, you work for Gradle. You're doing a lot of meetings. Can you introduce yourself? Tell the audience who you are so I, so I don't butcher it and uh, so on. Sure. Um, I'm Amanda Martin. I'm the developer advocate for Gradle Build Tool. And so Gradle Build Tool is the open source side of Gradle. It's what most people think of when they think of Gradle. Uh, we have a whole other arm that's the Gradle Enterprise, but I'm in charge of the Build Tool side. So connecting to open source developers and seeing how to essentially better help them with Gradle. Can I, oh boy, how do I do, can I, <laughs> can I correct you? Uh, sure. Let's, let's do it. You're a doctor. Amanda yes, Martin, I, right? I have like, a doctorate. You're, you're a doctor. One of my favorite people, <laughs> not just like, yeah, the title uh, I've got in my notes here, doctor, Amanda. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, cool. it's, uh, it's, I went back to school after having kids and stuff because getting a doctorate was always important to me. And so I finished it up and I've had a doctorate for only about three and a half years now, I guess. That's amazing. That's so cool. So you did it while you had like being a, being a mom is obviously one of the hardest jobs, full stop, bar none, period ever. And then to do that and get a doctor and hold down a job oh my god wow well, like yeah i don't i, I, I waited want, for I want my whatever kids. it is your secret is i waited for my kids to be a little bit older and you know at that point they were fine and they understood okay you know mom's <laughs> working today so i'll just go play with dad <laughs> oh good well yeah when they when they speak and all that you know how old are, how old are they now 
Uh, 12 and 14. Oh, oh, that's fun. You're riding right into the teenage years. It's, uh, it's, it's the toughest time because my daughter hates science. She hates programming. <laughs> yeah. And, and my son, he loves science. But every time I introduce to him something programming, he gets bored. And so. Hey, can I, uh, this is kind of a bummer. I, I think you're proving my theory because you seem super cool. Uh, and, and yet your kids don't seem to gravitate towards things that you find interesting. And I am quite the contrary, morbidly uncool. Um, and my kids don't gravitate to the things I find interesting. So maybe it doesn't really matter how cool you are. If you're somebody's parents, you are by definition uncool. And I am the uncoolest. Yes. To them, not, not in a vacuum, just to them, you know, like for some reason, same for me, my kids, 17 and a half, she would remind us. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing I, biggest mistake I made, I mean, there's so many, but the, one of the biggest mistakes I made was, uh, enjoying programming in front of her. Like I should have been like, ew, yicky. And then just, you know, see what happened, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's, not yeah, I, I think that's the downfall when you actually enjoy programming, then, you know, you, you work full-time programming and doing developer stuff. And then on the weekends, you're like, okay, I just want to whip out this quick little program to do this. And they're like, <laughs> what? let's go to Psychopath? the mall. <laughs> the mall. <laughs> oh, are your kids mall rats too? Like mine? my daughter is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a place. Malls are fine. I don't know. The, the I guess. Okay. All things being equal. So when I was a kid, you, you, you went to the mall because that was the town square, right? In a big modern American city, that's where you go, right? There's no, kids can't like just roam the streets in Los Angeles. That's a terrible idea. Not to mention they have no means of conveyance. Uh, and so the mall just kind of made sense as a natural hub for you to meet at places. And and then my kid went through this like phase where she was, you know, ve- you know, extremely online, you know, like very online worryingly so and, and i know that the internet is like the the town square you know the but uh but still like it, it got to it got like i remember telling her hey you know you can have some friends over you know like your mom and i will buy like pizza or whatever you know whatever you know just it's summer go do something you know get off your phone and go have some friends over and so yeah she invited some friends over and i was in the office and i came out of the office and i'm like what am I looking at? There was, there were, there she was sat, sat around, <laughs> sat on the floor with her other three friends, all on their phones. They got yes, together I've, in the same place. I've, I've walked into that same exact thing, <laughs> but I would what say that the big difference between malls then and now is I always went to the mall because it was air conditioned. Yeah. Yeah. That's Oh, so my partner, and my daughter are uh, Asian and spent a lot of time in Asia, right? Uh, and uh, so, I same idea, right? The the mall is just a culturally very important place for lots of places in Asia, especially in Southeast Asia, because it is air conditioned. You know, there's food, there's courts, there's there's food courts. It's very common to just go there, get lunch, and then chat with friends. You know, uh, for hours, long, with no intention of buying or or or, or even pursuing anything in the stores proper. You know. 
It's just the food court in the mall. It's like a gathering spot. Yeah. So my daughter likes the mall and she knows I'm not cool. My son, <laughs> he likes science and he tries to be not cool like me. Um, it's actually really funny because he'll take shirts I get from the conferences. Like the most recent yeah. one was uh, was JConf. And so it has a piece of pizza and it says deep dish Java. It's his yeah. favorite t-shirt because he'll go to school wearing it, deep dish Java. And everyone wonders like, where's that pizza place? <laughs> oh, yeah. My, my girls, I'm, I gained a, I gained like a, my COVID-20 during the COVID-19 pandemic, you know? Um, and so some of those shirts, those old conference swag shirts of your are, are, they've just become really good nightgowns for my girls, you know, like the, for my partner and my daughter. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, I have some of those shirts. I have, I, I, yeah, I, I, and I, and sometimes I go to work, like my partner, she's a dog groomer. So she goes to work wearing my old ratty, uh, you know, conference swag t-shirts, you know, and people at her, people at her office have no earthly idea what these shirts mean or what, or sometimes they even have my name. You go to like different events and they put your name on the shirt, right? So she's got several <laughs> shirts and people have noticed at work, like, Hey, you're, who's this Josh fella? And like, and she's like, so it's, it's a weird, what you and I do is weird. It's, it's definitely not a cult. But also, kind of, you know, it's 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 not a cult, but I think it's it's definitely a cool club. <laughs> Weird that we have to. I just think people that have to explain that it's not a cult should really reconsider. <laughs> it is a cult. Hey, um, okay, so you work at Gradle. I love Gradle because you're uh, solving one of the headiest problems out there, which is um, uh, helping close the gap between my code and something I can use in production, right? Uh, and it's and. There's a lot. By the way, can you hear that dog? My dog is just... I did hear that dog, yeah. Yeah, my headsets are not doing their job. Hold on one second. Nope, that made it worse. That made it slightly better. Yeah, it's not good. That dog is not good at all. That dog is barking, and I am trying to have this conversation. Uh, close the door. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, one second. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, they, uh, there that dog is barking incessantly. <sighs> so anyway, Gradle, um, amazing show. Uh, sorry, amazing software. Uh, I obviously I just think of it as like like when I when I when it first came out, I it it does for builds. Uh, I thought at the time. I, I realize now, in retrospect, it does for builds what Spring Boot does for your production code, which is it gives you an opinionated framework that, you know, shortcuts most common things, but also has the ability to back off and let you just kind of unwind the assumptions, you know? Um, and I think yeah. that's where it's sweet spot is. Yeah, I think that's the, the great way to picture it. And, you know, the, the whole goal with Gradle is to kind of, for a lot of developers, just get out of the way and let them build their software without having to kind of to problem solve the build because you know they they want to develop they don't want to work on their build tool 
And so the, the whole goal is, you know, we have a, a software piece and we have the build engineer who kind of calibrates what the build should be. But, you know, the yeah. first like three years of me using Gradle, I didn't have to touch a single build file at all because if something broke, I would just be like, hey, build engineer, this broke. And he would do <laughs> something <laughs> and then send me something back. And, you know, the wrapper was fixed, the build script was fixed, and I could just like kind of run from that. That that um, the the wrapper. So I don't I don't even I think we're I think we're starting there. It's easy to understand what it is now because people have gotten familiar familiar with it and it's now become so entrenched. And actually, so many of the great ideas that stem from Gradle are now kind of commonplace even in the uh, distinguished competition. You know, but the wrapper was just such a stroke of genius. You know, the it's such an obvious thing when you think about it, but it's it wasn't obvious obviously. Uh, which is just this idea that you have this little script that'll bootstrap itself, right? So given a, a project that has no Gradle instance, it'll pull down its own bits to be able to compile itself, right? It, perfect. It's, it's what we need. Smart people all around, all over the place. Yeah. Amazing. So, okay. So this, 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 uh, you said you didn't need to worry about it too much for the first three years. And is that because you had a, uh, so you, did you have a, somebody working on the build proper, you had a build engineer that did the, well, I mean, so this is to me a little weird is I, it's been a long time since I had a dedicated build engineer, right? Uh, and one of the things I loved about Gradle is I didn't really need a build engineer because it was sort of like it brought, it, it represented the wisdom of build engineers everywhere in its DSL, in its assumptions, in its, uh, you know, in what it put forward by default, you know? Um, yeah, no, I, I, that was a, a Python shop mostly where we, we had Java in the back end and we used, uh, we had a Python wrapper. And so I developed almost exclusively in Python. Yeah. And so our, our build engineer, he integrated, you know, essentially that entire back end for us. So it was really nice. And, you know, I was in Python land, like, you know, my entire week. So it was nice. That I could rely on him to kind of help it out. And it's one of the things that we see pretty often that there will be some person that's kind of in charge of the build mostly or understands the build mostly. Uh, some of the, the best Gradle experts that we see in our community are actually the people that were like, they didn't know anything about building, but they had a problem with their build. And so yeah. they went in and they fixed that problem. And of course they learned a little bit while they fixed it. And then somebody else's build failed. And so they went to the person that had the problem first and they learned more and more and more until they have it. Cause you know, we do have a lot of opinions about what to do, but because it's just, you know, it's a, a very declarative DSL that you could do anything with people sometimes get into pitfalls and do things they shouldn't with their build. Which is possible in any build tool, obviously it's just <laughs> at least now the, at least now the issues you're having with Gradle are in code and we know how to fix code, right? We have tools to debug and step through and like uh, approach those problems and, and unwind them in the, with the modern toolkit that we have all know and come, come to appreciate. Did you say you were using Python? I didn't even know it had a compilation step. It was, what, what was that like? What was that <laughs> use case? Um, so my, my prior work, what we did is we, we used gRPC to write Python code and it patched it through the gRPC into like a backend server. And so the front end that people worked with was Python because it was mostly data scientists. 
And then mm -hmm. that essentially was translated into Java for the backend. So, cause the, the application was for data scientists. Okay, wait, Python as the front end, um, my yeah. brain. So Python, I, when I think of front end, I think of like Angular or React or whatever. So you're saying yeah, the client so, to the thing was the Python app. Yeah, exactly. And then what was so, the... There was a, a terminal and you typed in your Python code or you pasted your Python script and that right. did kind of like a, a Tableau type of process on that script. Oh. And so the output, the product of that was, what was the, what was the bit with Gradle then? So you use that to, to, to generate, to generate gRPC? So or it integrated with gRPC. Gradle essentially packaged it all together so that we could ship it to people to just run. So when you yeah, say package was, to get to, is that like Docker or is that pip, pip env or um, package? Well, it normally did it via Docker. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, they, right when I was leaving that, that use case, uh, the company actually started to have a, a pip version of doing it as well, but that was something after my time. So the, I, I, and this is, this speaks to another point, which is, um, I think maybe lost on people like me who are so I'm, I'm, I'm just drinking so much of the JVM Kool-Aid that I sometimes forget there are other flavors, you know? Uh, and I bumped into uh, our, our, our mutual friend and uh, at least, at least the uh, inspiration uh, Hans doctor at an airport in San Francisco, San, the San Francisco airport years ago. And he, he, he let, he let me, he made, he helped me to understand that it, they had, you have a good number of users who are using it for like native code, right? So I knew, you know, I knew that Gradle was, uh, you know, a, a going contender back then and now uh, much stronger so today on the server side. And of course, ever since the Android um, endorsement and embrace, you know, that's, mm -hmm. it's just become the thing to use on mobile, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I didn't realize, and I still don't, I mean, I don't know how to measure this or talk about it or qualify it, but I, I guess there's a lot of people using it for native, like like C or something. I don't know. I, I don't quite remember exactly what he said, but it was just such a weird, I had never even thought about it. And now you're talking about using it, it for Python. Uh, yeah, it, the, the C community is definitely growing. That's something that's a kind of a work in progress with some of the external collaborators we have huh. um, in kind so of building cool. that. And the, the Python is a really unusual use case. It was one of those, like, they wrote their own package to kind of translate it and things like that. And it just, it always amazes me the kind of users that we have. Because, you know, we have about 30 million downloads a month now. That's the number we just hit. And <laughs> the users are just all over the place about, you know, what they need, um, what they're doing, and what they're going for. It's one of the things I like to do is just talk to the users to see what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you, what would you describe your role as? Are you, did you say developer advocate or CTO or what was the role? Uh, my role is developer advocate. Okay. Okay. Oh, wow. That's so cool. That, that explains why it seems to be, that explains why Gradle seems to be so uh, in tune with the needs of the com community. To hear you talk about it, it sounds like you spent, you just said 20 hours, right? I, I didn't hear that wrong. Earlier, right? yeah, I, 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 normally it's about 20 hours between Slack model meetings or one-on-ones or things like that. Um, 
because it's just it's nice talking to people and seeing what they're doing and yeah. a lot of times it'll just be kind of asynchronous on slack or you know back and forth on slack but it's just nice to to hear the use cases and you know what are their problems how can we have um there was one today that i, I spoke with someone on slack that their company just got an ios developer and so we're going to set up a meeting later on where i'm going to see like how is this ios developer picking up gradle you know what what can Gradle maybe learn from that? I don't know. Like, it's just going to be nice to to listen to them. Have people made that move to iOS via Gradle already? I mean, I, I certainly know Android is, like I said, it's the only real choice there. But is that a thing in the <laughs> iOS community? Uh, well, there's a lot of people that use the, the Kotlin multi-platform to kind of generate that directionality of code. Which is also exclusively on Gradle, right? You can't do <laughs> Kotlin multi-platform any other way. And I love Kotlin, Kotlin multi-platform. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Big Kotlin. Yeah, fans. Kotlin. Kotlin. We're pushing for for Kotlin a lot right now because we, um, you know, we're we just changed our docs to have Kotlin first. Mm-hmm. Um, and Android, of course, has Kotlin, and so it's such a good experience, especially in IntelliJ, that um, we're really embracing kind of that mentality. Good. I, I'm a big fan. I'd love to see it. Kotlin. So Kotlin for me is, I, I'm more comfortable there than I am with mm-hmm. Groovy. They're both fine. The, the, uh, if I if you said, "Hey, I'll I'll, I'll pay a million dollars tomorrow," and you but you have to use Groovy, or you know, or I'll pay you like nine hundred ninety five thousand tomorrow, but you 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 can use Kotlin. I just use Groovy. It's easy. Like it's not like it, there's there's no pain there. Groovy is fine, you know. Um, so when like I, have, I was I first introduced to Groovy it just blew my mind. And I thought I had so much freedom to kind of do whatever I want that I thought I was never going to go back to Java. Right. <laughs> and that's probably true. I mean, then you, but then you get back to Kotlin. It's like, oh, okay, maybe I'll just go there instead. You know, there's so many exactly. nice languages. Wow. Okay. So, so Kotlin, uh, you you change the docs, which is huge because that's a big, uh, I, by the way, I remember, um, so one of the old spring source people, a guy named Chris Beams uh, hmm. was, instrumental as i understand it in bringing the kotlin dsl he worked at gradle he left the spring team uh after like setting us up for incredible success uh he left the spring team and then went to gradle uh where among other things he worked on that and i was just like wow and it was a really early kind of thing it was very forward thinking um and i just remember thinking well you know this will never catch on it's already gradle's already so entrenched and this is all before android i think yeah I, I see his name often in GitHub, you know, when I look through the Git blames and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's such a, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that have come and gone and worked on it, of course, but I just remember, like, every time I think of Kotlin and Gradle, I think of my friend, uh, Chris, who's still out there, don't get, he's, he's fine, I don't, I'm using the past tense he, here because he worked there. Uh, you know. No, he, he was instrumental and just, uh, prolific with his contributions to Gradle. So very appreciative that he did work there. Yeah. I mean, the, that's the other thing I love about Gradle is that it's engineering first, right? So I mean, Hans is as competent and capable and enthusiastic an engineer as anybody, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so he feels the pain. He's not a CEO by trade or whatever. I mean, he's a great CEO, I'm sure, right? Like I, from all outward appearances, it would appear so. So, but I'm saying he's oh. also an amazing engineer, right? That's what I'm trying to say. Hans is amazing. He has these yeah. ideas that 
that I'm like, I, I don't know about that Hans, but then like a month passes and it's the right choice. Like he was probably the person that gave me the best advice when I was job hunting actually and got the job at Gradle. I was, you know, looking at like a few different places and Hans sat down with me and he's like, what are the other places? And I'm like, well, looking at Coinbase. And he's like, oh no, don't go there. <laughs> and he, you know, <laughs> it's like, okay, Hans. Yeah, of course you don't want me to go there. You want me to go to Gradle. And it was like three months later that, you know, there were layoffs and <laughs> all this other stuff. <laughs> very prescient. Was, He's just a very smart guy, you know? Uh, he is. But uh, so, yeah, I just, I love that he lives and breathes that. And he talks about, I hear uh, this discussion around developer productivity engineering, or is that right? Is that the acronym? Yeah, whole, DPE. That whole discussion. Yeah. Can you, can you elucidate some of that? What is that? Yeah, so it's kind of the, the core tenet of Gradle in general. You know, we used to be about building happiness, but we realized that you can't have happiness without being productive. And so everything that we do is to essentially increase developers' productivity. And so our right. whole corporate enterprise wing, the enterprise suite, um, it has a whole bunch of kind of resources to gain that developer productivity. But it doesn't look at it at like kind of the DevOps level. It looks at it like the whole tooling level. So, you know, it's like, which test can you skip? It uses AI to determine which test to run and not run. So it doesn't have to run all the tests. Right. That's amazing. I mean, the Gradle Enterprise is such an amazing extra. It's kind of like the build engineer that we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it lives and breathes your build. It knows the optimizations that you can make and it, I've seen it do some amazing things for us uh, well, on the spring team, you know? Well, and this is another one of those things that like, you, you, you got to think Hans is crazy, but then you realize he's just a genius because Gradle Enterprise, its focus is developer productivity. And of yeah. course, its first, first thing was on Gradle Build Tool, but right. Gradle Enterprise, it works with Maven. It works with all the other build tools. Yeah. It's like completely agnostic to what build tool people use. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. But I mean, just, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. I'm just saying that it takes somebody like you and Hans and people who live and breathe builds to see the opportunity to fix these builds by corralling all of the organization's experiences into one repository and then using that to inform change, you know? And that Gradle Enterprise is that genius thing that all, it seems rather obvious, again, now, like the Gradle wrapper today, uh, it seems rather obvious when you think about it, but nobody did it. it There's just nothing like that, you know? It's just been yeah. such a wonderful thing. Well, and it's the way that I like to envision developer productivity engineering is um, it takes your normal developer and without actually training that developer or making that developer better, it boosts what they can do. And so there's a, a really good talk that we have that we present at conferences that's, um, you know, make any developer your 10x developer because that's what essentially it does for your build tool so that your developer is that much more productive. So to what extent do developers, okay. So in the, in the programming world, you know, um, we have this idea of design patterns and Mm -hmm. the idea is that you're not learning the blow by blow implementation of a given pattern in code so much as the principles around the pattern, right? The why you would use it. 
and it's a blueprint, it's a sketch, it's a, a suggestion of the solution, not the actual solution, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times that can be as useful, if not more, than knowing the, you know, what what code to write, right? Because it, it, it helps infor- it helps frame the discussion. Is it is developer productivity engineering is that a framework for architecting a build? Does it give you the language to describe and I, think about the problem space of builds? I mean, what is that? I, I would say it's it's more like a complete framework for for how you should design your thinking about builds. Even okay, um, you know, it, it's even bigger than just the the build framework, but it's it's kind of like how can you maximize every little thing that you do because all of the little things add up in the end. You know, for example, um, if you're, you know, you're building your project, and we know that we cache every step of the build process, right. and each step is going to be a small step, but that overall caching has big effects. And so there was just a, an article by by Square that they turned on configuration cache, which again configuration you don't think of as like this big huge thing it's just one of the phases of your build but they took it so that using that configuration cache it made it from like 180 hours to 25 hours a week and so it's like square engineers were waiting around for 120 hours a week and now it's 25 which is still a lot but it's a huge reduction is that that's in aggregate though in total all the builds that's, across all the engineers across the whole org were yeah, 125 hours okay yeah uh, wow that's phenomenal wait so what is the configuration cache is that not the same as an artifact cache so the 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 build life cycle has essentially three phases there's the initialization mm-hmm. configuration and then the execution phase mm-hmm. and the what you think of as the build and the work is the execution but a lot of times the build engineers are the ones that do the build configuration. And so that is what the configuration phase is. And so the configuration cache, it essentially takes all of that build logic and it keeps it for the next build. What, what is it? What is it? I don't understand. What's the thing that gets cached? What's the thing that's memorized? Um, it's essentially like the, the dependency graphs, the which calls what, things like that that get cached. And they don't have to be recalculated again. Okay, so the, the the Gradle client would otherwise calculate the stuff anew for every successive run. Yes. And exactly. you're saying that adds up? I thought that was how wow. I don't even I don't even know. I didn't know there was a thing you could do in Gradle that would take so long that if you did enough of it, it would add up to 125 hours in a week. Well, and wow. the the configuration cache is a, kind of a brand new feature. It's one of those that we don't have um, as stable yet. It's mm-hmm. something that we're we're incubating and we're still working on. Um, not even you know everything that we do internally is yet capable with the configuration cache. Um, wow. But Square is on the cutting edge of development, and so they adopted it early, and they're seeing the kind of reaping the benefits of that. And I love that because that's what you know. If you can save even half of that time, I mean that's a huge win. But saving almost 100 hours it's not what was the number 100 like it was uh 180 hours to oh. 25 hours a week. Uh, saving 160 almost hours yep. a week is yeah. huh <laughs> if there's even a possibility that might work i would be foolish to ignore it you know like wow yeah they cool say thing. it's equivalent to like one million dollars of revenue <laughs> wow wow yeah and, and for those who don't know square is a payment 
processor. It's a, they, they basically print money. So the fact that they're still <laughs> doing this, they're still like the fact that that's a big deal to them, you know, when they, they literally print money, you know, they could, it's not like they're wanting for uh, uh, money and yet they are going to great lengths to, to fix this problem. And, and it sounds like it, you know, it's paid off for them. Well, uh, it's a cool development project because if they haven't heard of Square, it's amazing because, you know, there's your Android phone, but yeah. then there's so many configurations of like you have your, you go to, you know, the concessions and there's like two screens for people to interface with. And there was one thing that I saw that was like the, the payment screen, the sign screen and the money screen. So there's just a lot of different configurations that Square has to work with. Amazing. Um, what are you able to, I mean... I, I guess I'm just what I'm what I'm wrestling with is not so much the build tool itself because obviously I think that's fairly well entrenched. I think a lot of people get it, um, although you know I guess we could talk about that for a second. But I, what I want to get back to is uh, sort of these use cases where I think people are just like I, it just blows me away that you used it for Python. What are some of the other like like the Square the case study there that you just explained was amazing. What are there some what are some of the surprising wins out there that are all like thanks to 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 Gradle and let's we don't have to rehash the obvious ones which is for example that Google was able to make Android development <laughs> easy by moving to Gradle right that was a huge huge part of that that discussion right and that happened like a, almost a decade ago right a uh, long time ago it feels like uh, yeah I would I would say another really big win for us is um we have this this kind of newish feature it's been out for a year and it's called test suites yeah, and, and so before, whenever you wanted to do testing in Gradle, you kind of, it was like a, an all or nothing type of approach, or you had to go in and kind of fi- configure your own testing. You know, this is my unit testing. This is my integration testing. Um, and test suites, it essentially takes a lot of that pain points away from the developer. So in just one block, you can kind of do de- declare your integration testing. And the reason why I think this is huge is because you know, I'm guilty of this as well, um, where I don't test, even though I should test because it's just painful. And so we're noticing that oh, you too. <laughs> well, but I mean, um, I'm just a bad engineer. There's a difference. <laughs> like, it's just, um, it's, uh, it's, yeah. It, it's one of those things like, you know, I, I read the book on TDD and I'm like, yes, this is how it should be. Yeah. And I did it. I did it for like two weeks and then. Yeah reality hit me and I went back to my old practices of just not testing ever. <laughs> I mean, all right. I, I do TDD a lot, uh, but I, it doesn't, it just doesn't feel as useful as it used to. I don't know what's, I don't know what's happened. I think uh, maybe as an engineer, I've gotten better at like writing lots of small things. And so I don't really have any doubt about any small thing. It's the integrations that start to scare me, you know? Uh, and I do write those pretty religiously. I, I want to see the whole end-to-end flow, but I mm-hmm. like the tiny little state changes here and there. I uh, I arrogantly feel like I'm going to be okay. So if, if it's me bootstrapping a project, I don't start with tests for those little things, right? Anymore. Mm-hmm. Used to. I'll still write. I'll still start start with the end-to-end integration tests and all, but those small things are. <laughs> I just feel like I cavalierly. I feel like it's not going to be the thing that lays me low you know um 
Um, I, I feel like it's always those small things that mess me up, though. Oh, yeah. See, maybe that's maybe that's what it is. And maybe I would be even better. This was, like I said, don't do what I do. Do what I say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a terrible um, influence. So we have test suites now, and it's just awesome because it essentially makes the the coding experience easier for people to to do. Yeah. And so they can define their test and go from there. And it saves them time because they don't have to essentially run every test all the time. They could just do a few here and there. Is this um, is this something that the user carves out? They say, okay, I want to run these tests for this. How do you activate a set of tests? How do you say this is what I want to do? Or is there like some sort of you, AI on the server side that's just doing it intelligent, intelligently for you? Based so on- the, the, the test suites you kind of configure inside your, your build logic. Um, now, we do have kind of a, an AI extra layer to testing on the enterprise suite. And that is just amazingly cool because it does apply AI to like which test you should run. Um, but the test suites, you configure it yourself and you're just saying, you know, these are my integration tests, run only my integration tests and things like that. And you configure the, the class path and then you pretty much can change it later if you need to. Wow. So I could, so right now, I think that like in the, um, in, in brand X, in the brand X build tool, uh, there's a, workable distinction between unit tests and integration tests, but it's not really very clear or obvious, you know, out of the, out of the box, certainly. Uh, And and it it sort of ignores all these other kinds of tests that I'd like to be able to run a lot just by themselves in isolation where, you know, there's like in spring, for example, we do these like uh, pseudo integration tests where you have some mock, it's it's basically a live fire application save for some things that have been swapped out for mocks you know mm-hmm. so rather than doing everything from whole cloth as mocks mm-hmm. you're it's basically most of your spring app but we've swapped out some parts just for the purpose of keep uh, isolating the, the thing under test you know um mm-hmm. yeah and so it's still basically an end-to-end test except it's not and i think those deserve their own class of like test you know if i, yes. I can imagine putting those in a test suite like you're saying that sounds really useful well, and it, it's it's an underutilized feature, too, because there was a, a community-made blog article about, like, how to split up your tests, and it was a really clever way to do it, and this was, I think, uh, two months ago or so, and so I, I emailed the developer that wrote the, the article, and I'm like, hey, have you heard about test suites? And they had never heard about it, but then they, you know, started using it, and they're like, whoa, this is so amazing. It's, it's you know, going to save us time, and they don't have to wait for everything all the time. Nice. So, and that's that's what I really like is meeting those those developers that you know, uh, Gradle is constantly evolving and changing, like with every single release, and right. it's hard right. to keep up with kind of the new things. You get in the the habit of doing it how it used to be done, and it works, so you don't realize that you should try something new. Well, this is why we have you in the show because I definitely can't keep up with it. This is <laughs> like this is why we need you. Um, I, so if you'll forgive me, I, I still have some more stupid questions uh, that I'm sure you. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just really grateful for you uh, taking the time by the way because a lot of this stuff is news to me um, I get so the spring ecosystem is in some ways similar to Gradle in that it seems like this the universe of springs is constantly expanding you know uh, and so just when you think you've learned it all uh, you know it, something gets in, introduced you know there's a new thing 
Um, and so it's very useful to have people like like you and hopefully like like me who live and breathe this stuff day to day, to day and uh, just by the end of our of our privilege have been able to learn just that much more, you know? So um, what are some of the other, th- I mean, it just, I, I guess I'm just saying, please keep going. What are some of the other things that are like surprising that people would be uh, remiss if they didn't know about? Like I, I tell sweets thing. It's awesome. Good enterprise is like, I don't know how many people, how many people of your, I don't know if you know this because it's open source, but how many people get converted into Grail enterprise? Like, it's, Oh, it's like a magic trick. I, I have no idea, but I know um, if you're using the, the build tool, Gradle build tool, and you're not using scans, then you should really start using scans What's because, scan? oh, wow. Um, so a build scan, it essentially takes all the information for your build and it puts it on a shareable URL so that other people can see what happened with your build. And oh, so, okay. and it's just, you know, for example, when people come into the community Slack and they have a problem, one of the good ways to see kind of what their problem is, is by getting a build scan. And so this build scan is a way to kind of dive into the build and see what's going um, and see what's breaking. And that is, yeah. Sorry, go on. Um, So the, the build scan is kind of like the enterprise arm but we can use it as our open source product. That's what I was trying to ask. I, see, I shouldn't have said anything. I should have just asked. I should have just waited. I was going to ask, is that an enterprise feature or is that a, because I, I, I know I've seen that in the Gradle Enterprise. I've, I've seen these like summaries of your build and all the errors and all the inefficiencies and all that. It's just great. But you just made it sound like that's a thing in Gradle proper, like the actual client yeah. build. Ne- next time you run, you know, your Gradle W, just add yeah. dash dash scan at the end of it and you have to supply like your email address for you know liability reasons and stuff but then it's it's there and you can go inspect it it's completely free wait so it it uploads it to like a shared common uh service i don't have to have uh, my yeah, own hosted, i don't nope. have to have my own gradle intro that is so cool yeah wow and that's work that you're doing for free Why, how does Gradle make money on that that's just cool that's really cool I mean <laughs> wow that's like an unbounded well, problem too you know it's I, th- I think one of the things about it is that you know we we are there for developers to become more productive and yeah. it's it's great if you know people become Gradle Enterprise customers and we know big companies really need to become Gradle Enterprise customers but if we can offer that service to you know people that are just normal developers, um, then that's something that we're going to want to do because, you know, they deserve that productiveness as well. Yeah. That's really cool. I had no idea. Thanks for that. It, it's, I look at nice things like this with a skeptical eye, right? Because, <laughs> uh, because well, cause I, like, but I don't look at this particular thing with a skeptical eye uh, because I know how you make money, right? Like it, Gradle has been very, straightforward about it just buy grail enterprise and all the other nice things will continue to come right um but sometimes you know like wait how does that how does that work like how do they make money there's got to be they've got to be making money somewhere i hope they make money that's obviously the case we want we want companies that do nice things for the community to profit in some way such that they can continue to do those nice things uh and you know in JetBrains, the company behind intellij 
you know, for years, they just gave away licenses at Java user groups. And then, you know, it's, it's now they have, they even have a community open source edition of it. Well, that's yeah. great. That can, that helps countless people, you know, uh, somebody's paying for all the hosting for Maven central, right? Like that's a, a burden for somebody, right? Um, there, the JFrog uh, has been very good about providing artifact repositories for all sorts of different companies. And in Gradle, of course, like these scans are obviously a big deal. Um, uh, you know, just so much, so much stuff like that out there in the ecosystem of companies doing really nice things for people. And then sometimes I don't know how it pays off. So to, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that <laughs> it, it's very clear, you know, with Gradle, it's very clear. Like if I want, if I want more good things from Gradle, I hope people will go out and buy uh, Gradle Enterprise. Um, well, and it's it's a good product. I mean, you've, if you're a big company, you're going to need it to stay competitive, I think. But it sounds like you're a Maven person and probably run Maven for your Spring instance. I, so, I run. Well, I don't run anything on the server. I have no. There's no. I don't use Gradle Enterprise because there's no. There's nothing. My builds as a developer advocate are small enough that I don't really play with that. But when I do contribute to the Spring projects, some of which are Gradle, some of which are Maven, we use Gradle Enterprise, right? Like well, when yeah. I said, we, we, I personally don't use it yet because I'm just, you know, kind of a clown with some software, but like well, the real stuff that we do, and we've got, we've had great experiences with that, right? Really, really good, which is why I'm so gung-ho about having you on the show. And uh, we had uh, Justin Rioca just a few weeks ago, right? Um, okay. You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan, obviously. Uh, well, I highly recommend you try the Gradle Enterprise Extension for your small project because it's yeah. there for Maven for I, free. I mean, I will. I mean, I'm, but I'm also, I'm really, I'm really going all in on learning uh, Gradle, right? And I'm just very, it's just nice to have the, because I don't know what I don't know, first of all. And second of yeah. all, uh, it sounds like Gradle has its foot in a lot of other doors at Gradle, um, you know, sorry, that Maven just doesn't yet. Like I, I didn't know people were using it for iOS and for, for Python and all these cool, like, <laughs> interesting side side scenarios that I that are sort of from the they 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 don't hew to the main main path of like java server-side development you know um yeah. amazing. well i'm glad you're learning it it's uh well thanks to one you. of the focuses one of our focuses is you know the department that i'm in is actually called developer relations and education uh-huh. and and so developer relations is just as equal as that education so. I agree. And certainly that's true for the spring team as well. Education is a huge part of our ethos. Let's talk about that. Where do people like me and, uh, you know, asking for a friend here, where do um, um, uh, people with small brains, again, asking for a friend, where do they go to learn <laughs> how to get started and then how to get great at Gradle? Like what's, what is the, and I'm okay to pay, by the way, you know, if you said, Hey, go buy this course to get the masterclass experience, I'll be like, yeah, let's do it. I've got, you know, much, much more to gain than I did to lose by, by getting good at this tool. So what are you Well, one of the, one of the great things about the open source side is all of the training is free and ah. our community is really great and they provide free training as well. Right. And so um, there's different learning modalities. Uh, if you like videos, then of course, Gradle has our own in-house training. If you go to gradle.com slash training, you can register or gradle.org forward slash courses. You can see all the courses we offer. Right. Uh, there's this YouTube series called Understanding Gradle, which I've seen every single one of his videos 
actually more than once, if I am honest, um, <laughs> uh, because they're done by one of the Gradle fellows, uh, Yendrick, and he's just amazing at explaining kind of the nitty gritty details of, of Gradle. Wow. A fellow. So that, this is a person who lives, breathes, sleeps, and, you know, truly understands the, not just the how, but the why. Exactly. Yeah. And so uh -huh. that he has a good video series. Um, and then we have a few other Gradle fellows, um, Armis Luticus and Tony Roblick, who they do blog posts. Yeah. And so they're pretty good to read. Uh, Tony's are really comprehensive as far as like, he has this one blog post on dependency management that is just like the best blog post on dependency management I've ever read on Gradle. Oh. <laughs> See, this is the kind of stuff I want to be able to, I, I asked you for like the training, but what you just gave me is a chance to like pair program with some of these people that are like, you know, into it. Because it, it, is it fair to say that you don't need to be an expert to teach um, non-expert stuff, right? You need to be an expert at the non-expert stuff to teach non-expert stuff, but you don't have to be a master practitioner just to teach superficial, like intro to one-on-one stuff, you know? Um, so I think it goes it, back and forth. Sometimes yeah. it's really helpful to see the whole picture to teach the basics, but you don't have That's to see true. the whole picture. Okay, you're right. But what I, I was what I was trying to get to, and I, I my position has now changed. Uh, but what I was trying to get to was, <laughs> I want to see the perspective from the perspective. I want to see the whole picture. For, I want to see the map from the perspective of someone who's traversed the whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, and so while I think it's possible to do an okay job without having crossed the chasm yourself, you know, I would much <laughs> rather just. If I had a choice, you know, I'd much rather spend an hour with somebody at that level. And it sounds like when you say fellow, that gives me goosebumps. That sounds like it's uh, invaluable, an opportunity, you know? Yeah, they're, they're amazing. Um, so we have, you know, 10 Gradle fellows that are just outstanding and they help the community. Um, they do things like they just started a, a mentorship program to try and increase the diversity in the, the Gradle community base where they're, you know, mentoring people from underrepresented communities and things like that. So it's just, you know, ground level support for, for how we can establish, you know, making sure we have a healthy community. Okay. You take my money. I'm so happy to hear that. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, it sounds like you're, y'all are doing a great job. I don't know, you know, what, what, it, what, I just got, you just, you just get, I really want to go try that training. It's the holiday season. This, this season's upon us. I know what I'm going to be doing. I actually have another course I'm trying to finish on Gradle. And as soon as that's done, I'm going to go hit those YouTube videos up uh, because it's my jam. I can, I can slow jam like tech talks all day and just soak it up, <laughs> especially during the holidays when I have no other uh, distractions, you know? Well. Yeah. And for the, the one piece software, my recommendation is to, to go through it as he does it because he has a GitHub repo. And so you can kind of walk through as he does it because that's what really helped me kind of, you know, understand what he's doing. So one piece software? Yeah, one piece software, uh, understanding Gradle. Okay, one piece, so not the anime, one piece. Uh, I didn't, didn't know there was an anime. I have heard of it. I could be wrong. I haven't watched it. I mean, I'm, I'm supposed I must've watched a minute here, there or otherwise, but anyway. <laughs> okay, one piece software. Understanding Gradle. What, what is yours like? 
you're a doctor. So what, like you, you could have done anything with your brain. Uh, why go into Gladel? What's your like path here? You know? So I really like the developer productivity engineering mentality. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, the world is at a precipice of a lot of bad things happening, like global warming and just, you know, you name it. And it's like something bad is happening. And I am a firm believer that through open source, we are going to like save the entire world. Yes. Yes. Now, one of the things about that is, you know, I was a, a classroom teacher for, you know, like 12 years or something. You were? And, like, uh, like what yeah. kind of class? Um, I taught computer science, Java, Python, uh, math, physics, you know, it was kind of all over the place. But, uh, <laughs> oh, that's so, so cool. It it was was so cool. It was a, it was a lot of fun, but uh, I noticed that, you know, we're, you know, we needed a lot of people that especially wanted to do science and computer programming. And, you know, if you go to the job market, there was always these openings for science and engineering and there still is right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So if we can make each person in computer science, a 10 X person, then we can solve our, you know, problems that much faster. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I wish I could, I wish I could uh, sit you down and have you talk to my daughter. Like I said, I would, like, <laughs> she's got, she's got one of the biggest brains and it just saddened me. And I get that computers are not the only way you can advance the world, but they're a start. It's certainly something you know, approachable. I, I think it'll, it might happen. Cause you know, my, I, I started off studying astrophysics Nice. and I, I needed money, of course. And so I had to get a job in astrophysics and the the physics professor was like, okay, I need this program written. And so I was like, okay, I'll write that program. And then I needed another job because that one was finished. And so I just kept on writing programs for people. And that's morphed into, to this now because people need programs. Yeah. (laughs) So when your daughter needs a job, she, you know, can write something up for someone real quick and that can morph into something else. That's awesome. Did you see, uh doc that they just had a it's, in the last couple of weeks there was two things that were like particularly striking one was that this woman with like stage four aggressive cancer like you know uh, what's it called blasto phase whatever blastos something whatever the really aggressive final phase of like leukemia right where the cells are just exploding basically um they they used crispr to write new DNA and clear it. They cleared what had been hitherto thought as a death sentence. First that wow. happened. And then also in the last two weeks, they basically solved the perpetual motion machine. Did you see that they actually created more energy than they, they just did something in physics yeah. where they created more energy than they consumed. Yeah. I saw that there was a news article on that. I think it wasn't quite, um, quite output as much because there was some background they had to do with it or something, right. but it was it's closer than ever before. And that's exactly what I mean. Like through computer science, we yeah. are going to just, you know, the, Crush medicine the, future, and physics. the future where we have star Trek, where there's no money and everyone is just living in happiness. Like that's Sp- going to be attainable someday. Space socialism. I'm with you. Here we go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm, I'm all about this. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. It's been a, to hear you talk about it, it just makes me feel really happy. I'm, this has been great. I, you're amazing. Thank you for being amazing. So just uh, some of the best engineers I know, by the way, are people who come from physics. There are several people on the spring team 
or physicists uh, and, and doctors. Actually, Dr. Dave Sire and Dr. Mark Pollock were both physicists who, you know, went into software and they're, you know, key parts of the uh, the Spring ecosystem. They're all over the, the code base and everything. So, uh, you know, you, you, you stand in great stead uh, with, <laughs> and you've taken, uh, I, I just met you, but you're already in, you've already taken uh, a spot in the top, in, in my top 10 favorite doctors, along with Dr. Seuss, who Subramaniam, Sire, Pollock, and Strange, you know, so. You must only know 10 doctors then. No, I know more. <laughs> I got my own personal, not many more, but I'm just saying <laughs> the best doctors are, are, it's very hard to like narrow them down. I'm not really much of a sports ball person. I don't care at all about any of it. You know, I just, I'm sure it's fine. I, it's not like I begrudge anybody their sports ball. I don't care. I just, I couldn't care less. I would fall asleep, but I would trade, I would trade baseball cards for sport, for doctors though. Like, like if I, well, that you're I young, it's Am not I? too late to go into a doctorate program. I mean, anyone could start at any time. Yeah, I should do that. Would be good. It's, you know, just, you know, one course at a time and six years from now, it could be, you know, Dr. Joshua Long. Oh, doctor of ASCII artwork, you know, like a PhD in ASCII archaeology. I don't know. I, I don't have any useful skills to speak of, but maybe one day. Hmm. Um, what is, uh, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I got nothing. This has been great. I, I, I love Gradle. I want to support it. I want people to use it. I want the, and I love the company. That's, I guess, how it starts. This is a, a, a little secret that you and I probably uh, take for granted, but people don't, people don't like technology. They like the people. Yep. And they trust people. They don't trust technology. Nobody trusts a piece of software. They trust the people that wrote the software, right? Uh, and so having a, a good developer advocate helps close that gap, that trust gap, you know, somebody that you can relate to and, and uh, want to emulate. And you, Doc, I, I, uh, I trust you and I want to emulate you. I want to <laughs> look up to you. Thank you for being amazing. Um, well, I would say that it's mostly the, you know, entire Gradle team that is amazing because I sure. couldn't be that without them. You know, my my boss is the one that essentially envisioned the whole DevRel and education team and kind of bootstrapped it up from nothing. And so and it's just they've taught me everything so far with Gradle. I went in just, you know, using Gradle and now I feel like I understand it a lot more. Wow. Um, Where do are you on the Internet? And if so, uh, do you want to be found? And if Mm -hmm. so, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm on Mastodon. Yes. And. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I just changed servers. I'm officially on Mastodon Social now at Dr. Amanda L. Martin. Okay. So I'll have to look you up on Mastodon. Yeah, yeah. I am Starbucks man at Mastodon.online. Uh, you know, at S-T-R-B-U-X-M-A-N at Mastodon.online. I just joined when Twitter started burning a couple months ago. Uh, and the experience has been great. What do you, how do you find the community there so far? Um, so I also joined around that time. I joined a, a server, uh, Social Linux Pizza, and they were really, <laughs> they were really good. But the the connections with everyone else, it just wasn't a big server. So I switched to the main uh, main server. I tried that one. I couldn't at the time. There's like a wait list. It was just they were they wouldn't accept new applicants. And I was like, oh, I I just want to get on. What do you th- are you gonna like host your own Mastodon? What would you do there? 
You know, we thought about hosting one for, for Gradle itself because Gradle's on Mastodon as well. Um, I yep. just set that up on Tuesday or something. Cool. Um, <laughs> and so we thought about doing that, but it's just the, the Mastodon social seems like it, it works really well for almost all use cases for us so far. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. You Setting it up for your company is what I meant, just for your team, your your group, as opposed oh. to becoming okay. a full hosting provider. Like n- nobody wants to do that, right? That's a... Yeah, I, I don't see a need to do that. I mean, we're already so connected with each other on, you know, on LinkedIn, yeah. on Slack, on email. Like, you know, there's, I have like five different ways to communicate to every engineer, it seems. I don't know if I want another one. <laughs> okay, amazing. All right. So Dr. Amanda L. Martin on Mastodon.social. Is that right? Yep. D-O-C-T-O-R or just D-R? D-R. Okay. All right. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time. I know it's late and it's, we are, as we record this, it's not, not more than two weeks before the uh, holiday season is in full swing. So happy holidays to you. And thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Have a good one. A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.